0: Okay. Um, today's talk is nine. Um, 69, and uh, we uh, had just read the Mishnah um, at the beginning of this tariff. Um so we pick up the tomorrow right afterwards. The Mishnah had uh, talked about the, uh, what the gadol did now, that all of the issues with the uh, Ketorah is done and the blood of the ox and the, and the goat is done and the sending of the goat to the uh, away, the goat to um even getting the carcasses of the other of the other two animals sending them to be burnt. So all of that stuff is done and now he comes to do a reading of the Torah, makes brachot afterwards about uh, the avoda, about the atoning of sin, about Israel, about the kohanim. Um... And this is what he's doing while those carcasses, while, while those, the carcasses of those animals are being burned outside of the base kistat. He does this either in his, the same big day lava, the same uh, clothes of the Kohen or in a special cloak that he, a uh, uh, personal cloak that he can make for himself. Um, now, before we begin the Gemara, I wanted to say, which we did not get a chance to discuss yesterday, the important question, why is he doing this reading of the Torah? What function is it? I mean, okay, it's very nice. Like, we know, you know, okay, one of the things you do during uh, during services is you have a reading of the Torah. But, um, you know, why are they doing it here? Um, obviously, you could say that it's uh, specific, It's exactly that. It's to con- show you how, you know, connect the avodah that's being done, and you know, to the uh, source in the Torah, where it's coming from, to connect it to that. Um, but it's interesting to look at two sources that are given for why he's reading the Torah. Ra. So if you take a look at Rashi, Balykro, the first Rashi on the Mishnah, Rashi says it's a parsha. The alfinim imiluim, the minimum mikroparsha Ma'ake. and it says ze hazavar she'etivah So the Gemara way back on dafay, way 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 back in the first parak said that um, by the Miluim, according to one opinion, because this is what God has commanded, that Moshe actually had to sort of say over the P'sukim, I don't say if they were P'sukim yet, say over what God had said to him, and you, know, before, and, you know, before or while or during, you know, the doing of the Miluim. He had to make that declaration, and even reading over that parsha was a necessary part of the Miluim. Now, that was the period, if you remember, leading up to the, uh, you know, yeah. the dedication. And here we used the Miluim before as a model for the seven days leading up to Yom Kippur, but Rashi is saying, and we'll see it to Yerushalmi, that that actually is learned from there, that this type of a special service, and there is a similar sense, right? We've been talking so much about the blood and the blood as cleansing, and by the Miluim, it wasn't just preparing the Kohanim, it was preparing the mikdash, cleansing, sanctifying the Miksash, and learning from there, the importance of the reading of the parsha to show how this is sort of based on the biblical verses that this is from God. This Especially is, like um, what, yeah, this is um, this is what Rashi says. If we take a look, I'm sorry. Who I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Where is the? Um, Rashi, they did the, so, the Kriyat HaTorah based on Miluim. Again, Miluim was we normally learn, the seven days leading up to Yom Kippur. But here, again, by the same way Miluim was also sanctifying the Kohanim and the Mikdash. And here too, the whole thing of the blood is cleansing and sanctif- cleansing the Mikdash. It's interesting now that we're using the Miluim for that model. And the same way you need the Kriya there, you need one here. If you take a look at the Tostas he gives a very different alternate explanation um, it's at the bottom of the page here again in the microscopic print second column middle of the column um he says so basically right he's at a closure moment here he's done the basic avoda right the only thing really left is the removing of the cough but he's basically done the major avodah of the yom so and this right everything is done so yeshlo likrot ulevareich al mechila v'al seder ha'brachot. Okay, so basically he says a shocking thing: it's not primarily about the kriyat ha'torah, or you know, it's it about making the brachos. Afterwards, it's afterwards. It's saying, except the avoda, atone for the sin, Mohel l'avan bless the mikdash. So all of these things is to give a to give the the blessings about now this is the center this is like this is of day so you don't want it to just be through the ritual you want also through the words brachot tfilah to give you know meaning and to use this as the opportunity to actually say the tfilot of the yom and to frame the avodah so again fascinating because of this transition between mikdash and our reality of tefillah right, understanding that the purpose here of the Kriyat HaTorah, you know, is it sounds like it's a lot to creating allow... Creating shul in the Exactly, mikdash. it's creating a shul, and you have the whole Chazan, you have the whole Chazan HaKneset, so crea- it is grafting that reality, like, I don't know if it would have said that much, but you're right, it's the whole HaKneset and Rosh HaKneset, grafting that reality onto the mikdash and allowing it to frame or to be a closure for the rituals. Now, he, the Kriya could also, it's not just the Brachot, the Kriya could also be, like I said, connecting it back to the Psukim, but he seems to really underscore the opportunity for the Brachot. And then he quotes the Yerushalmi, which is more or less Rashi, the Yerushalmi, again, going back to the Miluim. Um, but according to him, it is quite fascinating that the uh, major purpose of this is. For the um, what do you call it? For um, to allow for the brachot. Okay, let's take a look now at the um, Gemara. lavan. Um, since it says that if he that if he wants to, he can use his own a white tunic um, as opposed to continuing to wearing the big day lavan. So michlau d'kriah he. So, it seems, obviously, the reading is not an avoda per se, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not in the psukim, it's, so, but anyway, you could have just proven it from there, right? like well, we just discussed, where does it come from? But clearly, anyway, the fact that it doesn't need kuna proves it's not an avoda. The in Ratsali, quote, but it also says he can be wearing the kuna. So now we have an interesting phenomenon, something that is not an avoda, you could be wearing the kuna for it. So shmach not big day kuna, you know Can we infer from this that you are allowed to derive benefit from the big day kuna, meaning or at least minimally wear it during a during something which is not part of the Avoda Tamitas, which means you're deriving some benefit. It's, it's clothing you, it's warming you, you know, you're getting benefit from wearing them and it's not part of the avodat itself. Can that tell you that? so the one says no maybe the Torah is different because Kriya's Torah is for the sake of it's for the sake of the Avodah like we just said you know either according to Rashi because I learned from a Sukkim that it's a necessary part again I don't think it would be Ma'akev although Rashi does quite an earlier by Ma'akev by the Mirui, and nobody ever said this is Ma'akev it's not it doesn't need but anyway something that's learned out that it's part of the Avodah or it's associated even if it's not based on Sukkim, but it's to give phrase to give meaning it's all connected to the Avodah ta-yong. it does not you cannot infer from this that a Kohen, a kohen can wear big day Kuna when it's not connected to the Avodah so let's take a look Somebody says, Di because this really connects to a long-standing question we've had and we have a question Bigdei can a Kohen derive benefit from the big day kuna can he wear them not during the period of the Avodah or not Tashma coming here Yishenim Kodesh so they wouldn't sleep in their big day kuna. So the mother says, Okay, she knew the law. They wouldn't sleep because then you'd be passing gas and that obviously would not be appropriate. Um, but <speaking in Hebrew> so presumably they could be eating while they're wearing the Vigdei not Just sleeping they can't do. No, eating you can't prove anything from. <speaking in Hebrew> eating, at least the eating of korva, Korbanot, is also <speaking in Hebrew> Is a part of the Avodah. <speaking in Hebrew> so they shall eat them, those that are atoned by them. So the linking of eating with atoning. The eating of the Koranim is part of the kapara of the owners. The eating of the Koranim in other places is connected to the eating, the consumption of the Mizbeach. Again, another point seeing the Koranim as type of a clay kodesh, type of a clay hamiktash, their consumption of the meat when they eat the meat of certain korbanot, mostly it would be a chatas. Their consumption of the meat is like the eating that's done on the altar. So the the oil oh is burnt fully. The chatas, the innards are burnt, and the meat is eaten. Not you know not by not by the oh, owners, by the but by the kohanim. Okay, so therefore it's part of the atonement. So you, just because you wear bite for that doesn't prove a more general point. So the gemara like, says fine. But it's still, there's a lot of things other than sleeping that it's implicitly allowing, not just eating. So we're going to try again. So the message is fine. Sheen hudelo." Let's try again. But, okay, again, all it says is you can't sleep in it. ha haluche But you can walk around in them. You know, you don't have to strip them off the moment the day is over. Keep them on a little bit. Walk around in them. Okay, so... B'dinu, so you see again, you can derive benefit, meaning you're not limited to using them only during the time of, of the Avodah. So the mother says, B'dinu di You know what? Really, you can't even walk around in them. You have to strip them off as soon as you're done with the Avodah. The Sefer We need this for, we need the idea that, that it says, don't wear them while you're sleeping, not to tell me you can wear them all other times, but to emphasize the last line that you can fold them up after you, when you're going to go to sleep and use it as a pillow so the Chiddush it's not to imply don't sleep yet do anything else it's telling you don't sleep but here's the Kiddush. and maybe don't do other things don't walk around in them but here's the Chiddush you can use it as a pillow now of course as soon as you say that it's like okay <laughs> that's, that's also Hana'ah <laughs> so what do you mean you can't walk around in them but you can use it as a pillow so let's talk about that so now the Gemara is going to turn to that Okay, poreshen tachas Take them off and fold them and put it under your head. So the guy says, "Fine." So you see, you can derive benefit. You can use them as a pillow. So amra papa lo ela ema kineged So that's a lot to get out of this proof. You know, it says don't sleep, but use it as a pillow. And what we're saying is, don't sleep in it. Don't do anything in it. Don't walk around in them. Don't use it as a pillow, but you can fold it up and you leave it near your head. So why? What's the <laughs> Of course, you could leave it near your head. So, right. So the question would be that you know either a concern that if we let you leave it near your head, that will lead to you sleeping in it, uh, or sleep, uh, you know, or sleeping on it, you know, and that would be the problem. Or also says you would roll over on it and forget the yisurah Just would not be respectful for it. So that's the But maybe you can't really do anything. Not you know and Uh, And the only point here is that there's nothing you could do, but you can put it near your head. Of course, again, the the language is very misleading if that's what it's saying. So the Gemara says. Uh, but within this approach, Amarav Misharsha, Shema Nina, you can infer from this, if we read it, that you're allowed to be near your head. Shifili Mina stop your dummy, that you could actually wrap up your filin and put them near your head when you go to sleep. Maybe you want to keep them close and protect them. And again, we're not afraid that you'll roll over on them and that won't be respectful for, for the filin. So that is, in, you know, an interesting, uh, comparison because, as I said before, why is it so obvious? Why is Sheena particularly problematic with Big De Kuna? So what I said, you know, what Rashi and others say is a concern of passing gas that you'll do while you're asleep. That is something we are familiar with with the concern that Khazal have about filling and why not to put filling down at night because you'll fall asleep and then you'll pass gas. So it's, And here, Gudmar makes that par- comparison explicit. If you can put the Big De Kuna near your head, you can put the Tefillin near your head. And that is interesting because, you know, according to some, having the the feeling is also compared to like the tzitz, the chilim the tzitz of the kohen gado, yes. the thing on the head. And thinking about, and this is a longer conversation, but other places in Chazal where these two religious garments, tzitzit and silin, um, in some ways subtly, in some ways less subtly, are seen as a type of a big day kuhuna for lay people out in the real world. You know, it's something that you wear and it frames your consciousness of God. And your activity in the world. There's a type of an avodah. I think I mentioned once before. You know that the rush says the reason we do nitiyat Yazim in the morning is like the kohenim wash their hands before their avodah and the mikdash. We wash our hands before our avodah Hashem that is going to take place in the larger world. So it's interesting here the comparison of this to be today kuhuna. Yes. Passing is just a second role. According to the Yeah, that's an interesting question. I thought about that. That's right you're right you know the same way you take off your chilean yeah. yeah I don't know it's a good question Rashi is the one that mentions that um, but uh, I'd have to, I, I don't recall la- that, yeah. that ever being discussed oh my god i am got to pass gas wait i got to run take <laughs> off maybe the now. I'll come out <laughs> but okay it's a good question okay so the Gemara says like this so, to the notion yeah. Of, of naki, okay? yeah yeah, yeah. So, internally naki. Exactly. so exactly um, so, so we still haven't proven whether you can wear the Kuna when you're not doing the avodah certainly the simple sense of all of this is that you can but the Gemara is saying a way of getting out of it. Now, before we go on with the proofs, I should mention a, que- uh, a moment about why would you be allowed to? Haven't they been sanctified? Haven't no, they, aren't they Kodesh? Right. Why would you be allowed to wear them other times? Isn't there a mi'ila concern? So some, we should bring down the idea of like, as you might remember from Shkali, way based in Masnelehem, which basically means, you know, if we're creating a communal sanctity, we can uh, set up all of the conditions. We can somehow stipulate it applies here and it doesn't apply here, which is pretty funny, like a Kedushah that turns on and off at different times. Another explanation, which seems to be a more satisfying one in the Tosus Yishonim, is look. You know, if you are not allowed to get benefit when you are not doing the Avodah it means the split second the Avodah is done you have to strip them that's not humanly possible and once it's not humanly possible and you have to assume that the Torah gives you a certain amount of latitude so then what it means is that it's, as soon as that's true it's not 100% limited to God use and if you remember by Mi'ilah the idea is Kod'shei Hashem it has to be 100% like even a Shlomin is not Mi'ilah so once it's not 100% limited and once you already have a little bit of latitude, then it's out of the category of milah. Although, interestingly, the question is, how much latitude are we giving? If you say, meet in the Lehan can I wear them during outside of the base of mikdash? Can I wear them on the weekday? Okay, can I take them home with me? Or maybe only a type of a reasonable latitude in the sense of wearing them while you're in the mikdash or, while, you know, or in the environs of the mikdash. How much latitude are we actually giving? All right, so those are some questions to be thinking about. Let's continue now in the Gemara. Okay. Um, the Gemara says, You know, it makes sense to think that it's only near their head and not under their head. If it's under their head, How about the problem that one of the big day kuhuna of the of a normal Cohen is made with shotness. The g- belt is made with uh, with shotness with wool and linen. So um, so how can you therefore um, how could you be sleeping on it as a pillow? Wouldn't that be the using of shotness? Now it's not wearing of shotness, mm-hmm. and that's what we're so that's what we're about to discuss. So let's take a look. Okay. Um, so the gemara says like this. Now by so the high the table There's the belt. Even if there's no kedusha problem, you're benefiting from kilayim. Now we never, I never heard that shotness was or behana. So we'll discuss that in a minute. But that's the most concern. It's shotness. If you oh, really are using it for a pillow, one minute, know, know, know. one minute. If you say the 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 belt of the kohen gadol on Yom Kippur, which is of all linen, is the same of the belt as the head Yot. so the head Yot would wear a linen belt. So then that 's fine because then the Cohen, then a normal Kohen's Begadim does not have shotness. of nature of the linen belt of the vagal is not the same as the normal belt of a Kohen. The normal belt of a Kohen is shotness. So then if that's true, that the normal belt of a colon is shotniz, how can you be sleeping on it? Aren't you, aren't you basically sleeping on shotness? So it must be, it doesn't mean on it, it must be near it. Now, of course, what you could say is, so you don't have the belt in the pile, you have the rest of the clothes in the pile that you're using for a pillow. But it more assumes it means everything, including the belt. So, 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 so obviously it means near it and not on it, or else you'd have a shotness problem. And Hazemar says, V'chitema, you'll want to say, K'lai in the that's our Shari, which is exactly what I would have said. The Torah doesn't say, don't get benefit from shotness." It says, Lo ya'ale'alecha, don't put it on you. Lo tilbash, don't wear it. So wearing Shatnes, having it on you, maybe having a blanket of Shatnes on you, over you, is a problem. But a pillow is neither being worn, nor on top of you. So since when is that a Shatnes problem? Says, Zatanya. Okay, that's a good point. But here, we taught a b'rita. Don't put it on you. You actually can lay it underneath you. You can have it as a blanket, as a sheet to lie on. It's not wearing and it's not on you. Although that's biblically true, the sage has said, came, you're not allowed to do this." lest al left a little, a loose strand of chatnez from the blanket. Full, you know, goes over. You're lying there, and you know, and on, on a blanket of shotnez, and a little string goes over your pinky. You so then, what? that is It's going on you. Okay, you so that is a. What? You're trying to get it on. All right, so you could say, exactly, onus or whatever, eno miskaveing, is it or not, but Chazal did not want it to happen, even inadvertently. It's a good point. Often, eno miskaveing is something we're not worried about. And therefore, rabbinically, it's forbidden. And we're assuming that the same rabbinic restriction would apply to the Kohanim. Right, so you could say, well, maybe not. Maybe we give special latitude to the guardian. So again, how could it be saying it, it, it? obviously can't mean literally use it as a pillow. It would be a shotness concern, even though not a biblical one. But if, rabbinically, you shouldn't be sleeping on okay, shotness. So that shows it. that we don't mean we don't mean use it as a pillow. We mean have it near your head. You want to be sleeping on a doesn't Those things are cool. no. It's a linen belt. It's all cloth. It's all it's, it. It's all the same material. Okay. So the Gemma says. Zatanya. I'm sorry, we just read that. You'll say, ah, so what? You know what you'll do? You'll have the belt will be, will be at the bottom and you won't have your head directly on the belt. So a little strand from the belt is not going to go on you. That's not going to be a solution for this rabbinic problem. So this tradition in the name of the Holy Community of Yerushalayim, that's very interesting. It does occur sometimes in the Gemara. I don't know who that is. A few eser like the princess and the pea even if you've got ten blankets or pillows one on top of the other the kila and the kila and the shanis is the bottom one the rabbinic restriction still applies once we said don't sleep on it even if you do it in a way that it won't come um, in contact with your body we rabbinically categorically said don't do it so therefore and presumably the Kwan have the same restriction and therefore it can't mean use it as a pillow it must mean elalav Elav Shemamina Kinneged it must mean near their head not under their head Sh'mamina. the Gemara takes that as good evidence it's quite fascinating Sh'mamina usually ends the discussion but the Gemara is not Right. I'm sorry so with, with, this whole Esther and I do do is there's nothing to do with, with ha- Allah is just a separate right so moves away from this maybe a, maybe a, a strand from the we you will know, go over you right no no, no. Yeah, we see okay. this all as part of the rabbinic restriction don't fly on it even with the 10 separation <laughs> it's impossible for sure. we have it, categorically uh, rabbinically alla- prohibited it even when it is not possible that it will lead to this thing once we had disallowed it we disallowed it Revashi okay. says, no, 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 going back. It means use as a pillow. It is a proof that you can get benefit from big De kuna. What about the shatna's concern? Again, a funny phrase. You're benefiting from kilayim. But bottom line, it means rabbinically, at least we've proven, you can't sleep on it so he says no no they are so like Michael said it's not so comfortable it's a a stiff material and since it's a stiff material we are not concerned rabbinically that a little strand will come on your body because it's just very stiff it doesn't have like loose strands okay so we don't have the rabbinic concern. so once you're doing with a type of a material that could go on you like a soft blanket that there could be a loose strand that's categorically forbidden even if it's under ten other blankets but if you're dealing with a type of material that it's not possible, a very stiff material, then we won't have the rabbinic restriction. Okay, so the rabbinic restriction is categorical once it's a type of a garment that could be a problem, but if it's a type of a garment that will never be a problem, then it's okay. Kihagamu Ravunabreidu Rav Yeshua Rav Yeshua said Chaynamta Gamda the Narsh this like hard felt that comes from the place of Narsh right F-E-L-T you know felt like right? felt Sharia is permissible you can be uh, you can sleep on it because we're not afraid that it's hard and it's whatever felt we're not afraid of a loose strand okay so he says there are times where we do not have the rabbinic restriction I should mention the way I just read it is following Tosvos Rashi says something even more radical Rashi says that even if you wish a garment made out of a hard uh, cloth, so it doesn't really like mold to your body, and doesn't really provide warmth to your body, so that is not real wearing and that's not even a biblical restriction. Okay, that's pretty radical but the simple explanation is if it's a hard, stiff garment then it is not a concern of this rabbinic concern and therefore it could mean under the head. Now, so until that, we haven't really proven whether you can wear Bidei kuna not in the immediate context. We have a clear, it certainly seems to be it's only a sleeping problem it could be under your head at other times we've gotten out of it. I do want to make also one other quick point which is, asks, why did the only here raise shotness? Any discussion of wearing Bidei kuna at other times like walking around with it, shouldn't the Gamar be raising shotness concerns? Right? Think about it. Anytime you're asking can you wear Big de Kuhuna at other times, unless you're talking about the Koine Gadol, if we've now said that the belt is Shatnes, so how could you walk around with the Big de Kuhuna when you're done with the Avoda? Forget, the Kuh- what about the shotness concerns? Ask it back there. So he actually says, you know, that no, it could be, and this is a fascinating idea, once shotness is allowed in a certain category, is it given like a blanket allowance? There's like a, a, there's <laughs> a, yeah, Hutra, essentially. There's a famous position of Rabbeinu Tam that, you know, if you make if, if you have a linen garment, the wool, the blue, this blue, blue string halakh, it has to be wool. So that's an allowance of shotness because there's no other way to do the mitzvah of the blue. So you have that. Can you keep on wearing that garment at night? Because at night you're not fulfilling the mitzvah. And Rabbi says, yes, once the Torah allowed shotness in this garment, even when you're not doing the mitzvah, you're allowed to continue wearing it. So, in a similar way, as long as I'm... This is what the Tzosh Hashanah says. As long as I'm wearing Bitei kuhuna and wearing it in the mikdash, let's say, not at home... That's similar to Rabbi Amitam's point. The Torah is completely allowing shotness. The only concern the Gemara had about shotness was when you strip it and you want to use it as a pillow. But as long as you're wearing it, and that's sort of Torah allowed it as a garment to be worn, then it's blanket allowance. It's quite fascinating to realize the Gemara did not raise the sh- only raises the shotness in the will and co- in the in the pillow context, not in the general question of how can we talk about you wearing your big What about the shotness problem? Yes. Yeah, from earlier, um, Rashi knows you will show me. Sometimes Rashi quotes you will me, yes. And also, I've seen this place. you can this for a moment. literally, I've seen it in other, other places, the Beni Beni. Where's Beni Beni? Beni 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 Beni. It just means between the two of them. Yeah, no, between the two of what? That's between you and the bottom and uh, the, and the actual shatnas. Ah, and the, root of ten, uh, yes, the ten. Yeah, oh, the ten things. Are oh, okay. Okay. yeah, okay. So okay, uh-huh. so okay. Now the verse says come in here. Big kuna So we're still asking this question. You can't wear them in the midina, which means anywhere outside of the mikdash for this context. and in the mikdash. Voda, shilo voda, Luther, but e, whether it's when you're doing the avoda, not doing the avoda, is permissible. Okay, that's pretty explosive, right? Because uh, you can wear them when you're not doing the avoda. So Shema <laughs> mina, that is a good proof. Okay. Now then, the question is, why not wear them in the Middah? So if Rashi says, once yes, we are saying tech, it's not a kedusha problem. But Rashi says, Badera Once you're wearing it out of the mikdash that is not respectful of the big kahuna, right again you could also have speculated like i said before that if the reason we are uh, allowed to wear the big kahuna at, and not at the time of the Avodah is because like hashares right that it's impossible to strip at the minute off so clearly you have some allowance but it's possible that that allowance is only in the context of as long as you're still in the Mikdash. Right? So it's not just a problem that it's not respectful. Maybe exactly this idea of the Kiddusha and so on will give you a latitude when you're in the Mikdash but it does not extend to outside of the Mikdash. Okay? So anyway, but that is what we have. We have a very clear proof of this. So now let's see as the Gebur continues. I mean, um, are you telling me you can't wear them outside? Umdina the ha, where am um, I? on the 25th of Tevet, this is for, this is basically like the Taanit um, um, days that are um, you know days that are forbidden to fast because of special things that happen primarily in the Mikdash period. So on the 25th of Tevet, uh, where am I? Har uh, It is the day of Mount Gruzim. The lowly. You can't have you can't have a Hasped, a Yewji. should be should be The day the Samaritans, who their their home base was Har they were trying to destroy the Mikdash. Um, they they requested the Mikdash. smoked on from Alexander of, of Macedon from Alexander, um, meaning they requ- to destroy it. Okay, they wanted to destroy the Mikdash because you know there's this constant fight between this Samaritans and the Jews, and who were you know who had the real claim? and for nassan He had said, "Fine, you're right." Basically, as the March explains, cleans clear from the story. They basically said the Jews are rebelling against you. They reject you. They worship their God, not you know, not the Greek gods. And he believed them, and he said, and he made and he passed an edict to destroy the Beit Hamikdash. Um, as this, Alexander the, the Great is like what 300 BCE about. Somewhere yeah. thereabouts. about? Okay. Yes. All right. Bovo Diyos Shimon HaTzadik. They told Shimon HaTzadik. Ma'asa, what did he do? Lavash bigdekuna. He 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 put on his kuna, and he satay for kuna, Wrapped himself in his kuna, Umikira Yisraeli and the uh, honored you know uh, honored people from from the community came with him. We had that phrase before, umikira Yisraeli, and would would accompany the uh, sending over of the goats. Okay, so he was with very you know high ranking people from the Jewish people. Ravu or Biddehem, and they were were carrying these torches. So halalu, hochi halalu the whole night they walked to wherever Alexander the Great was encamped you know, and, uh, he, you know, half on one side of Shimon, the other half of the people on the other side carrying torches, this very, you know, honor, honorable procession, and, you know, noteworthy procession. Um, and they walked in t- through the entire night until the morning star came up. The Kivin Sha'ala Amut once the morning star came up, he said to them, uh, presumably the uh, Samaritans, now we're back to Alexander, presumably they then arrived to where he was, and Alexander turned to the Samaritans and said to them, lalu? who are these people that are coming now in this whole big procession? Amru'al, so the Kutim said to him, Yehudim shamar d'b'cha, it's the Jews that have rebelled against you. when once they got to uh, Antipartis, how do they translate that? Does anybody have the... Uh, does anybody have the? Uh, is, it, is it a place name or does anybody have a Greek? Uh, nobody has there the uh the what do you call it? Um the the He would probably give you the Greek. No. What does our school say? Anybody here? No one. Okay. Uh, presumably it's a place, but uh, I'm sure if we had, So he still so Oh, sort of here, here's the. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's take a look. Let's see what see what our friend. That's about this. Um, um, uh, Antipartis. Um, the city in Israel was founded by Herod, okay, next to Roch Ha'ian Springs. Alright, so it was a city. Okay. We're so far okay. Away boys I, I don't know. Whatever. Maybe they were both coming to that city. I don't know. When they came to Antiparsis, Zarcha Chama. It was no longer the morning. It was no longer the morning star. Now, now it was actually sunrise. U They encountered one another. Kiven Shiro is Shimon the Now, once Alexander saw Shimon the Righteous, Yarimim erkafto. He got down from his chariot. He stachevelo and he prostrated himself before him. Alexander prostrated in front of Shimon. Amullah, they, presumably the Samaritans or his retinue, said to him, Who did that? A great king like you will bow down to this Jew? A Jew is probably said with a sneer. Amullah, he said to them, The appearance of this, of this person's face, Yukon is really the Greek icon. Okay, the appearance of the icon of the image of this of this man So, um, so I just want to see what they said here. The image of this man's face. Okay, it's, he is victorious before me when I go out to battle. So, meaning when I go out to battle and I win all those battles and I'll then or conquer the entire civilized world, right? I see up in the heavens an image of this man's face. So clearly he's a very holy man, you know, and it's his his because of his merit maybe I've been so victorious. So I'm um, so that's so that's why I prostrate my So obviously the whole thing is about to turn around. Amr So he said to the Samaritans. I'm sorry. He said to he said to them the the Shimon Atzadi and his retinue. Why have you come? Amru. So so they said to him. So Amru. Um, they said. We've come dear king, for your honor. Is it possible that a temple in which we pray for it for your sake and for the sake of your kingdom, that should not be destroyed, yet, we make, we pray for your welfare. These idolaters are going kind to of come. It's funny, they say idolaters as a sneer. This. The same way David only said Jew as a sneer. I don't think idolaters was a sneer for Alexander, but okay. Anyway, these people will come and they want to destroy it? This house that we pray for for your benefit? he said to them so who are those these people so you know maybe he, maybe he didn't realize what their affiliation was when they were sort of telling him to destroy the Mikdash so who are these people oh, I'm sorry they, they maybe just for, first spoke generically it's sort of like a whole Esther song mm, you know right? how are you going to let people persuade you who are the people no those are the Samaritans that are standing right here in front of you right you know <laughs> it evokes really that old thing. So, who is this that's trying to destroy uh, this, this mikdash that's for me and my mauchos? It's these Samaritans. Amalam. he said to them, to Shimon and his retinue, Harei Fa. you know, exactly. It's really a, a, it's totally a Purim story, right? right? Yeah, okay, go hang them. Fight, go hang them. So they're given over to your hands. With the added detail, <laughs> yes Alexander the Great's entire empire was due to the marriage. <laughs> exactly. All of his well, wars feminism, were won. Right. 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 Uh, by uh, the uh, way, I was just checking here. The original Gersh is not Ovde Kohovim, but Goyim, Lahacharivo. Because obviously they would not be denigrating them by calling them idolaters. But they did call them Goyim the same way because Samaritans call the others Jews, which means that they saw themselves very much as Samaritans. separate nations. It's yeah. important to think about, you know, and uh, about in terms of the Gemara's that ask whether Samaritans are really halachas. Jewish or not. You know, here clearly they are nations at war with one another. Not literal war, but whatever. Um uh, uh, no, that you already get in the Megillah that they, they were the, the land they were living in from the time of Ezrachemi was called Yehud. You know, that was this so that this is when Yehudi becomes the term. So um Okay, so they're given over to you. Um, yeah. So, miyad, immediately, nikvum bi'ikveihem, there's not going to be so pleasant, especially with Shema Tzaddik at the head. They pierced them in their uh, ankles. Uh, there's the tla'um, there's the hanging. Okay, again, evoking the hanging of, of Abnei Haman. They hung them, they suspended them, bezin veisun sehem with the tails of their horses. So basically, they they, they stringed them up through holes that they made in their, in their ankles, you know, to the, to the tails of horses. And they would basically have the horses run over thorns and thistles and rocks and pour, you know, pull them along, being pulled by wild, you know, wild horses couldn't pull me away. You know that? That, that? That's a torture that they would do. They would tie people up to horses and have the horses run and drag them along. And here they're dragging them along over these rocks, okay? Until they came to Mount Grizim, which was their, their temple. Even Once they came to hargrizim, not only was it that, that they punish these people that tried to destroy the base of mikdash, but chashua Vizaruhu, They plowed it over and they planted it. They, they basically destroyed it and converted it into a field. The whole hargrizim. They destroyed the temple, the temple of the of the or the holy places. Whether it was a temple, the holy places of the Samaritans. kashinim uh, leaks they planted there (laughs) they did to them just what they wanted to do and that day was made into a Yantav. okay that was pretty powerful so by the way it's also you know an interesting question because you know I think reading stories of Jewish power and Jewish power you know against enemies is disturbing for us because in the classically we're the ones that are oppressed and afflicted and it's always the bad guys and the non-Jews that are you know using their power or against us so it's, I think it's, you know, it's, uh, here this story has absolutely no problem with it. They got back what was coming to them. And in the way, it's the Purim story as well. I didn't quote that correctly. Anyway, but, you, but that's the point. Anyway, that was a wonderful story. So you see, he wore de outside the base of Mikdash. same, de Either it doesn't mean they were literally Big Dekuna, Maybe they had, they were fit for Big Dekuna, They hadn't been sanctified yet, but they looked like Big Dekuna, and that's why he wanted to wear them. The Yibayt saying, and if you want, You know, there are times you have to break halacha for this, obviously, not huge national issue. Okay, that was a very powerful story. Now we get on to the actual uh, passing of the Sefer Torah and so reading it. Concluded. We haven't uh-huh. concluded whether... No, we, no, we had a b'rita that explicitly said it's niet nulehanos, at least inside the temple environs. Not in the Medina, that's a different issue. Chazan that was definitely the conclusion. Chazan said no del Sefer Torah. So uh, you you know you pass it to the chazan the chazan to the head of the Knesset, to the sagan. It sounds like you are doing this to give honor to all of these people to the to the head of the the head of the show to the sagan. But why are you giving so that's a question. Do You give honor to a less to a student in the place of his rebbe. These are all lower on the food chain than the kohen gadol. So maybe it's, uh, well, maybe we shouldn't be showing them honor in the presence of the Kohen Gadol. Maybe that's a denigration to the honor of the Kohen Gadol. Does this show that you do that? You show honor to a student in the presence of the Rebbe? So the Gemara says, No, you missed the point. We're not giving it to the head of the show and from him to the skan to honor the head of the show. We're doing this procession to show the honor of the Kohen Gadol, to show out this whole leading up to the Kohen Gadol. So it's not honoring them, it's do, having them involved in a way of giving honor to the Kohen Gadol. Okay. The coin goggle omega, and the coin goggle receives it standing and he read from it, or stands. Literally, and reads from it. So, So, It sounds like he was sitting because it says the kohen gadol stands and receives it. Okay, um, you could have read it was standing, but it reads stands. So, it sounds like he was sitting. Don't we teach? Azara el The only people that can sit in the azara. So, they're assuming this reading of the Torah is right where he was doing the you know disem- dis- disemboweling of the korbanot that we just spoke about. It's taking place in the Temple Courtyard. How could you sit in the Temple Courtyard? Only the kings of David can. the verse says, and that's seen as a special allowance for King David and his descendants. So how could you be doing this in the, the Temple Courtyard? Be sitting. So Rav like Rav Chizza says, Bezos Narshim, they did not do the reading in the Azarah, although we didn't mention that the Gohengadol moved anywhere, but now that he's moving to do, but now that the next step is the reading of the Torah, he leaves the Azara and he goes to the Ezrat Nashim to do it there been which been- actually could be also a much more public space you know the sense of again we've discussed before you know women could go into the Azara you know but obviously it was generally seen as a male space Azat Naqib was much more seen as a mixed space and was very large so, the Kriyat HaTorah, according to this, I mean, the Gemara doesn't say this, but is, now, but is taking place in a way that is much more public and actually is going to be alluded to in the next statement. He, okay? he went there, he sat down. He went there, he sat down, right, while he was waiting for that, I don't know, and then they gave it to him and he stood up to receive it. Right. right. Part of the... Part, 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 right. Right. And yet, right. <laughs> the fact that he's reading the Torah there should elevate it. Right. So, but it doesn't. It still doesn't make it into the Azara I mean, give, there's more latitude there, but it's true. I mean, I know what the irony of it is too much. Right, it moves to the Ezra, Right, it. <laughs> you read it in, so <laughs> Right, right, right. Okay, where does the Gemara say that you move to the Ezra in order to read the Torah? Right, so let put it a little right. Translate that word into a contemporary context. Okay, the heichai Itmar chiz, the where was Avchiza said? Aha on the following. Now, this text we're gonna read for the next few lines is a little problematic, so there are a lot of changes of the year. So we're taking out the word Mesay. On the following, the tanya, that's what we taught in the bright zone. Korin Bova Azar, korin Korinbo, where would they read from it? Now this might be referring specifically on Yom Kippur. Um, some say it's a generic question. Whenever they had to read, uh, you know, do a reading in the Mikdash, where would they read? Of course, when else did mm-hmm. they do a reading in the Mikdash other than Hakel but okay where would they read from it Bazarah in the Azara so there's one opinion yes literally in the Azara Re, uh, Rebeleza bin Yaakov Omer Bahar Abayis, no not in the Azara not even the Azrat Nashim some other place on the Temple Mount Shnei <laughs> outside the Mikdash completely. Shnei <laughs> Amar So this is in Nechemya where they had a big public reading of the Torah. It says that it was by the way it says it was on the seventh month which is Tishrei. It might have been Rosh Hashanah okay but it's right around this time of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and it says they had this big public reading it sounds like HaKel it says Hanashim Banashim, Batav. everybody was there and they had a big public reading of the Torah okay and where did this take place? It says they read Lifnei by the street by the by, you know street is like a major thoroughfare or like a, a, maybe it means even like you know a square which is by the gate of the water which is outside of the Mikdash on a, ma- the, on a major street so basically, it would be on Har but out of the Mikdash, and it would be in this huge public setting. And by the way, I think the sort of the implied parallel between the reading that was done there, and the reading that's done here, and the reading to all the people, and so on, and the timing is roughly the same, and that's where it would be, outside of the Mikdash completely. Um, the Amar Rav Chizda, and Rav Chizda says, Be'ezrat Nashim. Okay, now, is Rav Chizda clarifying then when the first opinion yeah. said, Be'azara? It means Bezrat Nashim. Is he clarifying that when Rabbi Lezben Yaakov says Behar he doesn't mean anywhere in Abayis? He means Bezrat Nashim? Not exactly clear. Okay? But anyway, you have three opinions being said here. Maybe they conflate to two. Azara, Har and Ezrat Nashim. Okay. Vayivarach now he's quoting this pzuch, and let's look at them. Vayivarach Ezra, Hashem Elohim Ezra blessed God, the, the great God. Okay? This was, again, in this context of the reading of the Torah. My Gado, what does it mean great? We, you know, why is he pointing that out? Or another way of framing it which is even better is the my is another version of this. In what way did Ezra glorify or exalt God? Okay? So Amar of Joseph Amorab, Shagidlo, but Shame by enunciating God's uh, you know, ineffable name. So in this context, he said, you know, he, he spoke God's name, and again the whole idea of the claim God. saying God's name, you know, obviously implicit parallels that are being drawn. Okay. Um uh, that I don't know if we're making that comparison but we are uh, making I'm saying yeah I understand I understand it's true Kaddish is Yitzkadav Yitzkadash Shemei Rabbah make his name great that is a good point but I think the more immediate parallel is the Kohen Gadol saying Shema Amiforaz it's all yes. okay yes. Rav Giddle now Rav Gigal says now again in one version it's Bibracha. but you know with a blessing he blessed God and then quoting the pasuk. what's the pasuk that he glorifies God Baruch Hashemelukhi Israel Minolam Bad Holam. Okay, this is from Divei Yamin. There's a very similar pasuk in Nehemiah, if you go ahead and look, in this story. It's interesting that it shifted to the pasuk in Divei Yamin, but this is what he did. He blessed God. He didn't say God's ineffable name. He blessed God. Baruch Hashem. Amalei Abaye, by the way, evokes also what we just spoke about, about, after the reading of the Torah, the brachot. And so, so as said, the whole purpose, or the main, uh, you know, main purpose of the reading of the Torah was to allow for these brachot. Amaliyah Bayi, so again, is it ravdini? some take out the words ravdini. Anyway Abayi said why do you say it means they made a bracha maybe it means they said God's name I don't know why do you say it's God's name maybe it means they made a bracha anyway I'm away no I don't believe they could have it would have been they said God's name you don't say God's name in the grueling in the like in you know in the uh, larger you know outside of the outside of the so So even if it's on har habayit if we're saying that this takes place not in the Azara proper, you would not be saying Shema Miforash. So lo, do you not? He stood on a he stood on a platform. Again, it sounds like Hakel and that they he glorified him with God's great name. So you see, they did say God's great name. So it says, he said, that was a special exception. Now this is a very confusing Gemara. We're talking about what it has to do. Right. And says, oh, I don't want to say he used God's great name. Oh, but doesn't Rav Gita say he great name? Fine, that was an exception. But that's exactly what we're talking about. So what he did at this moment of the reading of the Torah and so on. So some want, and anyway, where do you get that from this passage about standing on a platform? so some want to say that actually what the Gemara quotes is the next pasuk which it's about to quote otherwise there's no transition and if you look here's the next (laughs) pasuk they called out to God in a great name so again you have the word gadol so, some say that that was the verse we quoted. What did they call out in the great name? They called out using God Shema therah, but that is an event that is not is a later event, not the event of the reading of the Torah of Ezra sofer. So according to this, it says this one opinion is, they did not, during this reading that Ezra Sofer did, they did not say God's name, you don't say God's name because a came as outside the Mikdash. What about a Perak later, where it says they called out to, God's, to, the, to God in a, in a great call, and we say that means they used God's name. Oh, that's what happened to Perak later. That was a special exception. But that's not what happened here. And now we transition to that story, and this is a very famous aggadita of what that calling out to God was, which is like a few months after this event of the reading of the Torah. My emor, what do they say? So we've already possibly said they used God's great name. What were they calling out about? So, Amaravi Temur Reb Yochanan, like which is please, please. And here's what they say effectively, he believes they said, uh, they said to call out to God. This is what caused the Beis Hamikdash to be destroyed, meaning, as we're going to see, they are praying to eradicate the desire for Avodah Zarah. Now, it's quite fascinating, because if you read these verses in Nehemiah, you will see that it is uh, bemoaning the fact that the people o- have always sinned, and the Temple was destroyed because of the sins, but never mentioned there is a hint of the Avodah Zarah. It talks about sinning, but it suggests more like, you know, moral sins, um, you know, other types of sins. There's not a hint of the Avodah Zarah but Chazal are taking this story which is about the, them bemoaning the fact of you know their history of sinning and God punishing them and framing it as that they were praying to get rid of the desire for Avodah Zarah. so Baya Baya please please it was this Avodah Zarah that led to the destruction of the temple The Caused, caused the hechal to burn, the katlinu lekulut sadike caused all caused all the righteous to be murdered. The aglinu Yisrael me are at home, caused the Jewish people to be exiled from their land. The dain merakeh and it's still dancing among us. There's still this desire for Avodah Zarah. How are we going to survive with this new mikdash? Given that we still have this desire that will lead us astray like the past, which, as I said, by the way, is a theme that is there in the psukim about acknowledging how all the sins in the past led to the destruction. But the gemara is very much making it about what are we going to do to, so it won't happen again the only reason that you gave us this desire for idolatry was that we should receive reward when we resisted it so you know what we don't want it, and we don't want the reward. It's too dangerous. Okay, which re- re- evokes the beginning of brachot where it says yisurin. If you get you know people that are afflicted with uh, you know with uh, with uh, um, travails and uh, suffering, that it says, oh well, that's yisurin shalava that you should get reward for enduring the suffering. So it says lohain vlo and I'll do without them and without the reward. Okay. So right, well, right. Okay. So forget it. We don't want this. The a, low a, a, a piece of paper fell out from heaven, a little kittle going the opposite direction. Yeah. That of they, MS, and was it in ms, which means what you said is true. You're right. We got you know you, you made a legitimate claim. Amar of we can see from this ms. God's sign is ms a very important point which is going to be a theme that's going to connect to the next Agatha which we'll get to tomorrow about the sense of truth as a central part of God's identity. So you're, you're speaking truth. So Osivu Gatanisa plus a they sat three days in a fast, the plus a and three nights. Masru and 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 they it was given over to them the Yetherhara Vodazara in some embodied form. Navak asatigurya dinura mi base and it came out like a a lion of fire emerged from the holy of holies. Amalu Navi Israel, the Navi, which we're going to say means Zechariah, said to the Jewish people when this was happening, they saw this fire coming out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is from Zechariah about a quote. Yeah, but he was at the same time. That's lie in a fire. You just saw leave. That's the desire of a rotezara. This is in one of the visions of, of Zechariah. Interestingly, as a vision of a, a woman in a pot. And it says, this is the wicked woman, and then they seal a lead cover to the pot. So we're connecting this to the destroying of the Yetzirah of Avodah Zarah, that that's somehow the embodiment of it. The Havizah Tafsuha, so they grabbed the Yetzirah of Avodah I don't know if it's, it seems a little bit more embodied than this fire we just spoke of, Lay they grabbed it, a, string, a, a, a hair fell out of its beard. So again, in, in, in Zechariah it's a woman, but here it's, it's got a beard. So it's got, and it's a lion, maybe, I, I don't know if it's <laughs> still a lion or if we've shifted from that. Anyway, a hair fell out of its beard. Virama Khaled lifted up his voice. For Azakale Arba Mea Parsi and went 400 parsangs. So uh, so just to show you the power of it, that one hair did this again. It's obviously something symbolic here. The mashah connects it to Esav, you know, who lifted up his voice and cried out and wants to connect this all with Esav. Esav is a hairy person. Okay, so that's interesting. Amru, they said, "Hey, now that we've got hold of this guy, but he's so strong, what are we going to do to get rid of him? We can't just keep him captive because maybe they'll have compassion on him from heaven and free him, this Yetzirah Vodazar. It's so fascinating how it's fully embodied here. Okay. always Right. right, that's a good point. Amalu Navi. So the Navi said Shadua Beduda. Put him in a put him in a, a, a like a, a pot. And again, this is from this vision of Zechariah with this woman in a pot with a seal, with a lead cover. So the put him in a lead pot. to Chafuah lepumei the seal it's cup, seal the, the top of it the the opening with lead. The um, abra mashav colour. because now you see how strong his voice is. Oh, that was the other point, right? He's lifting up his voice. They cried out to God the Kol Gadol. They and God answered them. He is now being Zoeik Bikogadol, so they don't want God to answer him. So what are they doing? They put him in a lead pot, they cover it with lead, because lead, the avra, absorbs sound. Zota they cast her, this woman in this vision of Zechariah into the pot, and they put the lead stone on its mouth. Okay, so they got rid of the Yitzhar HaVadazar. they trapped it, they didn't completely destroy it, but it's trapped, it's sealed its bracket. Amru, they said, hold es rafanhu. See, given that God is answering our, our request, Nibai rachme haYitzvah let's also pray to conquer over the desire for sexual sin. So, boy, rachme, they prayed to God to, to, to destroy the desire of sex, Oh, uh, as we'll see. The Ims should be a value. And God also gave that over to their hands. So so he said to them, presumably Zacharya said to the people, Be careful. If you destroy, kill this desire, the sexual desire, you'll destroy the world because obviously the world only exists because uh, procreation which is driven by sexual desire. So, so okay. They 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 sort of kept him down for three days and then they were looking around to find a fresh egg The they couldn't find a fresh egg the dis- destruction of sexual desire had led to even the fact that the eggs which were not fertilized which is quite fascinating so it's not actually about sexual activity but it was so you know that even the natural biological processes that are connected with sex and procreation were not functioning and there were no even and there were no eggs clearly you cannot do away with the need for sexual desire in the world um, and everything that is associated with it so what happened Um, so uh, where am I what should we do should we kill it we see that the world will be destroyed let's ask for it to be reduced half we shouldn't have as much sexual desire so so we, they won't give us half of a the request. They have to do all or nothing. I don't know what that's about. Okay. No so, So what they did is they blinded its eyes. Literally, you know, they put some like some type of, of uh, makeup on its eyes, but somehow they blinded its eyes or they put something in its eyes. So, and they left it alone the honey and at least that helped to yeah. that people should not want to have desire to have with their, with their, with their you know with their siblings or with their or, or you know with their relatives of course it didn't really solve that either but okay maybe to some degree um, so that's how they you know that's how they solved it. it's interesting the whole idea of eyes because how you know v- v- you know less you see with your eyes you know v- you know the by, the, by, by, by what do you call it? by the teachers exactly so anyway so I'm sorry anyway so um, gotta figure out how to stop this thing anyway okay so that's the end of that story with that with getting rid of the Yetzirahara uh, which is tidy up to the Yizaku um, and we will uh, we'll pick up with that tomorrow but I do want to say that it, it's too last minute. this idea I want to just leave you thinking about something which we'll pick up with tomorrow this idea of getting rid of the Yeter of Zara, on the one hand right this, in the second temple period late in the second temple period just in the larger world idolatry was on the wane so it might be connected historically to that but why is it associated with something leaving the holy of holies why, what is that about? That's where the Eid or is. And I want, so we're going to talk, pick up with that tomorrow, and then the next Agatha as well will echo, so we will tie into this whole idea of God, C-O-B-M-S. So come back first thing tomorrow, very exciting doc.